Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first and apparently only season of Naomi on the CW. This is, I don't want to say adapt, it's it's based on, I don't know how closely it's adapting or not, the Naomi character that Brian Michael Bendis created over at DC. And I liked the series, mm-hmm. but I'll also say up front, I was astonished it was created because they are... Basing it, I mean, the character started out in 2019 with a six-issue limited series, later showed up in a few sporadic episodes of, of Young Justice, later, and I may be getting the timing on this a little off, but ended up joining the Justice League and just recently got another six-issue limited series, kind of a season two sort of a thing here in 2022, which is only three issues in as we record this, mm. two maybe. so. There are more episodes of the show at 13 than there are solo title feature issues of the comic even after the second season series finishes. Wow. In other words, there's not much to pull from. Yeah. And given the depth and breadth of the DC Universe, there are so many other things and other characters that I think would have made more sense to to do as a CW show than this. This I may list this as an Arrowverse episode, but I do not feel it is an Arrowverse episode in so much as the only two connections it has to the DC universe at all in this show are a Superman flyby. I'm pretty sure it was Mongol he was fighting, but it was blink and you miss it. And a Thanagarian. Mm-hmm. But they are on some Earth other than Earth 29, I think is what they referred to it as. Correct. Well, they talk about the multiverse. So this is before Crisis. Or it could be after Crisis, because at the end of Crisis in the Arrowverse, they established there's still the other worlds. The universe just doesn't know about them anymore. Oh, I thought everything got compacted to one Earth. It did, but then they showed us the Earth 2 with Stargirl and other stuff like that at the end of it. Oh. In other words, some of the universes got collapsed down, but not all of them. Oh, how confusing. Yeah. So it's not, it didn't have any connection to any of the other Arrowverse shows at all. It didn't seem to be the Superman from Superman and Lois. Granted, we never got a really good look at him, so they could claim it was if they really wanted to, but there's no need to. And in the comics, the first series came out at a not so great time for me. I'm pretty sure I read the first issue of it when we were in Glasgow. Yeah after uh, our dad died. So I just, I read it, but not in the right frame of mind. So I'm going to be rereading it so James and I can do a back issue spotlight on it. And I'm going to be curious how much of what was in the show was pulled out of that six issue miniseries. Because I remember the parents, I remember the Thanagarian, I don't remember this other Earth stuff. She was from somewhere else, there was a portal and some of those things. So I, I see where they pulled a lot of it. Whether they pulled some of the specific other teen characters or not, I just don't remember. Because I thought it was it was okay. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis is a fairly decompressed writer, and it had a six-issue run. 
that's the equivalent of a pilot episode of most TV shows, if you know what I mean. Well, the CW likes to take solo characters and give them a team. Yes. So it wouldn't surprise me if the friends weren't in the comic, because the CW wants a team. Well, what's funny is if they want a team, why on earth didn't they do a Young Justice live action show? Mm. You've got a team of heroes. You could either base it on the Young Justice from the comic or from the animated series. In either case, it would have been a CW-ish version of, of the Titans, mm -hmm. which I think would have done fairly well. Yeah. I mean, they did some interesting stuff within these episodes. Yes. In terms of social commentary, one of the things that I found amusing is when, I guess it was Anthony, the townie. Mm-hmm is complaining to Nathan, the military brat, that, you know, you come in and you're trying to wipe away our history. Yeah, yeah. And then the black guy looks at him and goes, yeah, I'd have no idea what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, they did a lot on this being a military town and a little bit of tension between the military that's kind of passing through and the locals that have been there for generations. Yeah. Without making that a focal conflict at any point. Mm -hmm. Just kind of underlying there are two groups coexisting here. Well, and they also did, in a lot of the episodes, a nice series of subplots on you don't really know what's going on in other people's lives Yeah, until you take the time to look to find out. And like going back to the one where the townie and the military brat were having their argument and it's, wait, if you didn't do what I assumed you did, mm -hmm. who did it? And they go and they find out that the person they thought was living the charmed life actually was under a huge amount of pressure. Well, it was the student body president. Yes. Who was in about half the episodes. Thereabouts. And she was not one of the core teenagers, but like the only other recurring one. Yeah. And she got used in a couple of places fairly well. And I thought that was one of them, mm -hmm. because then when those two go confront her, they realize a different side of what's going on with her, and they may not have the full picture. And basically, to their credit, do, I don't say an about-face, but come at it from a much more positive point of view yeah. than they had originally intended. They go from wanting to confront her to actually wanting to support her. Yeah. And realizing, you know, if we'd walked a mile in her shoes, we'd have realized the situation was... A whole lot different. Not to say we, they forgive her for what she did, but they understand yeah, where it came from. They understand, exactly. And I think that coming to understand other people's perspectives was kind of a recurring thing here that they did, they showed as opposed to told. Well, they did both because they showed it wonderfully. And there was a phrase they used both at the beginning and as a callback at the end of don't believe everything you think. Yes. And I think. That was a, a, a great line to put out there. It was put out there by somebody who was ostensibly a bad guy at the time, but you realize about halfway through, he's absolutely not. Yeah. He's literally misunderstood. Yes. And I think from that point of view, in terms of the character arcs they had for these people, the uh, they got a good acting set of actors and such, there was a lot of good material in this show. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how much of that was from the comic or not. And Brian Michael Bendis, while decompressed, he's a good writer. They got a lot more mileage 
out of it than I think they had any right to expect, given the limited amount of source material they had. And they may have picked it because of the limited amount of source material. It gave them the freedom to go where they wanted. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they've also gone in fairly different directions than the comics with Black Lightning, certainly with Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, those characters, uh, you know, all of them. Arrow, Flash as well. So the fact this got a season and that's it didn't really surprise me. It disappoints me a little because I think they could have cut a scene or two at the end, really the tag at the end, and ended on a cleaner note than they did. I think they should have ended on a cleaner note. Yes. And I say that because kind of a, they knew the material they were working with, they knew the situation they were in, and they had already done enough to set up a, if we got a second season, here's where we'd like to go. Mm -hmm. The reveal at the end could have and should have been a second season opener. Yes. Yeah, I think that would have been better. And I think just these days, it annoys me when writers of a series are banking on that twist hook at the end to get them that next season, because you know sooner or later it's not going to. Yeah. And this was one, again, that I don't know that it should have been made in terms of you've got all these other things at DC to pull from that have a lot longer track record, a lot more source material to pull from, etc. But again, they did a a good job on the show. They did a good job on the show. This, in a lot of ways, this goes back to kind of the One Tree Hill era. Yes. Of mindset and writing. The adults had some good stuff going on. The mm-hmm. teenagers had good stuff going on. The interplay between those plot threads was good. I felt it was very balanced there in a way that a show like Smallville never was. I mean, there was definitely interplay between the parents and the kids, but this I felt. It had that delineation without that clear separation. Yes. Because there are other times where it's like, oh, here's a CW show. We're pausing the kids stuff so we can do the parents arc for a little bit. Okay, now let's switch back. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are other shows where it's kind of a, the parents only exist in service to the kids. Yes. Yes. You know, but I really think One Tree Hill and Everwood were at the CW's peak of balancing the adult and teen storylines on that score. And Naomi would fit with that really well. What network was Seventh Heaven on? That is a great question. I will look. And the reason I ask is the only actor out of the show that I recognized was Barry Watson. Mm. And he played Naomi's adopted father. And and he did an okay job. I'm not going to say he did brilliantly. I'm not going to say he did poorly. I think... The arc they had for that character. It was a CW show. Yeah, I was thinking it was, yeah. Technically, it goes so far back. It was. It started as a WB show. Oh, that's funny. It was one that made the jump, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the arc they had for the parents, I didn't love it. I don't think that's how it went in the comic. I think the final twist rubbed me wrong. Yes. I didn't care for that. But kind of backing up to in the beginning in that first episode starting from there they were almost ward and june cleaver too perfect a little too good to be true yeah so when we got their first reveal of and here's what you don't know about them i was like you know that's funny because there was something about the way especially their household was running that was like this almost feels like the reveal is going to be she is actually the only human 
that's on another planet where all these other people are practicing being humans. Mm, that would be funny. So it's kind of a, they're trying to perfect their human impersonation. Kind of, can we fool the token human? If so, let's introduce a few more and see if we can fool them too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of a, you know, we're making the perfect dinner, we're making the perfect breakfast, we're cracking the perfect dad joke. It does throw a few things into a new light in terms of how they celebrate their anniversary, all that sort of stuff. Where Depending where they would have taken the, the, the parents in the second season could have, I think, potentially really undercut stuff from this season. Not a risk, because there's no second season, we know this, but, you know. I think the second season was bent meant to be more, I don't want to say parent-centered, but you know what I mean? To give them a more significant and better storyline than his military job, which got dropped about three episodes before the end of the season. Well, there were a few other times it was there, but it's like, wait, he was just in the situation room and now he's at home as if nothing's happening. But how did he get out of there? That seemed like a... Mm -hmm. You're there until the the situation's resolved sort of thing. Yeah. And there were one or two places, like when they confronted Commander Steele, that they had set up the 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 weapon, the the I'm gonna call it kryptonite for lack of a better term, because it was effective on humans, but that's essentially kind of sort of put it near them and they get sick and they die. Yeah, it was like die scale or I forget Something. what it was they called. Gave it yeah. Name. yeah, the blue glowing rocks. But that was a, how did those parents have it? That's how we're going to reveal categorically that they're alien. Yeah. And other than they're from another Earth, I, I guess they were... They were aliens who went to the other Earth to help. They were scientists who went to help deal with the terror. We got that in a few lines of dialogue. Were they from another Earth or were they just scientists on that other Earth? They were alien scientists who came to that other Earth. Oh, okay. So I'm curious what they're... So we never found out what type of aliens they were. Yeah, yeah. But they were not members of the 29 plus one. Yeah, I was taking the 29 being the powered people on this other Earth. Right. And that they were just regular humans from that Earth that came over. No. All right. Yeah, some of their mythology in this show was a little unclear. Yeah. And part of that, I do think, goes back to the source material. Because in the comics, Naomi's powers are that of narrative convenience. Mm. Fly, glowy energy things. But, you know, I can see where as a writer, that's kind of nice. <laughs> as a reader, I find it kind of lazy. Yeah, I can see that too. And here, she shows super speed out of the blue because, well, it'd be convenient to have. Yes. Well, early on, leaves swirl around her. Mm -hmm. And that gets dropped for half the season. And then at the end, oh, wouldn't it be nice if leaves swirled around her again? Yeah, she's about to fly. Let's bring the leaves back. Yeah. For that matter, Zimbardo's powers never totally made sense to me either. No. At least with Akira, it was clear pyrokinetics. Yeah, but how was she going to fight Bruce with that? Was she going to set that funky cloak on fire? Don't know. Okay. Don't know. Or burn down the garden around him? Yeah. I the loved D, by the way. Mm-hmm. He was a character that I do recall from the comics, not loving it from the comics, but I felt the actor really pulled the character off. He did. Yeah. Yeah, just enough of a zen aspect to him without being overly so. And you do get the sense of, again, he's the Thanagarian, so the, the military warrior aspect who wants to be a pacifist but knows that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
Well, and I loved the way he interacted with Naomi's friends. Yes, yes. Yeah. When Annabelle shows up needing his help. Mm -hmm. and he Well, and she's got the younger sister in tow. Yes, yes. Yeah. That, again, I give credit to the, the casting and, and the whole, uh, both for picking the right people and the people they picked for playing it so well. Yeah. Because there were some great moments here and there. They, there was in that episode the fact that, wait, Annabelle's got a younger sister that we hadn't heard of all season? Yes. There Only is to be topped by the boyfriend. Nathan. Nathan having a younger sister that we never see, but at least gets referenced in the one episode. Yes. Yes. So I get you're not going to establish everything on every character up front, but there comes a point where... I think early on, if Annabelle had had a line of dialogue that was, seriously, why do I have that little sister when you could have been my sister? I've always wanted a sister, and, and no one replies, you have one. Yes, yes. Yes, but that, I don't want that one. Yeah, that yeah. kind that of... That kind of play would have yeah. done well. Yeah. I do think one of Annabelle's best lines, and I don't know if it was from the comic or not, I am curious, was when she's trying to do the solidarity with Naomi, it's it's ride or ride. Yes. And Naomi corrects, no, it's ride or die. It's like, no, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. It's ride or ride, you know, kind of a- Yes. And it, it summed up that character so beautifully. You know, it's one of those things where that character's attitude made that character- the actress pulled it off every single time. The actor, I think, went whole hog into that aspect of the character. Yeah. And there's an aspect of Annabelle that is the stereotypical plucky best friend. Yes. But she owned it. She took it. She went with it. Yeah. You know, that's she... one that in, in lesser hands would have gotten very tiresome very quickly. Yes. She became the best friend you wanted at your back. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the character that it was a, you know, the screen's already kind of full. Why are you here? Well, and there are some, some dialogue ticks with that character. And again, I don't know if the character go, goes back to the comic. And if it does, if this dialogue aspect goes there. But always referring to Naomi as babe. Uh-huh. All the time. It's like how in the Hawkeye show, the tracksuit mafia was bro this, bro that. Yeah. Which was absolutely from the comics. And there comes a point where if that sort of a thing isn't done well, it's just really annoying. Yeah. Yet with Annabelle, I noticed it, but I wasn't annoyed by it. Yeah, that's where I was at. Yeah. So I think part of that is, well, the other it, thing again, is, delivery on it, you know? Yes. The other thing about the Annabelle character that really made her work was she was honest. Mm -hmm. She would call Naomi on stuff. And even if it was with the kind of too soon, yeah. but it was the, you know, you just spent all night taking selfies of yourself with someone else just to make Nathan jealous. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. It wasn't just she, she was taking the selfies, but she was posting them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, but it was, this is the friend who, even if she's going to help you do something crazy and reckless, she's going to call you on it as you're doing. Just making sure you acknowledge it's crazy and reckless. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and they built out a fairly sizable cast of characters here. Yeah. Because we've got Naomi, we've got Annabelle, we've got Nathan, the, the boyfriend for most of the season. Of Naomi. Of Naomi. We've got Jacob, which is Annabelle's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. We had, what was Shutterbug's name again? Anthony. Anthony, the wannabe boyfriend of Naomi. Yes. Lourdes, 
the comic shop owner, a high school dropout, and friend of, of most of these. Uh, but you you left out one descriptor of Lourdes, the wannabe girlfriend of oh, Naomi. the wannabe girlfriend of Naomi. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to follow her after Anthony, you got to. We've got D, the tattoo shop owner, who's kind of the trainer of Naomi. And the person every parent wants the teenagers in town to be hanging out with, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Zimbadu, who's the owner of the secondhand car lot, who seemed like a villainous type at first, but is also very protective of Naomi as well, mm -hmm. just happens to disagree with everybody on all of that. We've got Naomi's two parents. We also then wind up with Akira. Mm -hmm. And... I'm trying to think who was in most of the other episodes of the stuff. I mean, that's 11 characters right there. Not pulling in Commander Steele, who's there for about half the season. Yeah. The student body president, who's there for about half the season. Esme. Esme, thank you. Or any of the people from the other Earth coming after Naomi. Yeah. And they established a number of those. Uh, one of which just kind of walked off and never came back. The, the girl who was on Agent Oh, Mac. Mac, thank you. Yeah. She, her, her exit from the plot was to go to D, say, hey, D, will you help me? No, you won't. And then is, she's never seen again. Yeah, that's a good point. There are enough things like that that kind of get set up and just sort of dropped. Not so much that you really notice it in the flow of it, because I think the flow is well. Well, but it's ironic given one of the people who's kind of appear to her, Julian, Looks like he is going to kind of say, huh, he has the line of dialogue above he, my pay grade. Yeah, he looks like he's now out of the story, backing out, but he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff like that. Yeah. But again, during the show, it, it doesn't really stick out that way. It's only when you stop and think back, hey, wait, what did happen with this? Mm -hmm. Well, like, how did there's this disc... Naomi has, well, at first, Zimbadu has. She steals from Zimbadu, gets it. Somebody steals it from her. We never find out who stole it. No. How she got it back, but mm -hmm. at one point, she does have it back. It's like, did this hit the cutting room floor? Did I sleep through that part? What happened? The only thing I can guess is Nathan had it in the locker as part of the prom ask. But that would imply he stole it, which... Because he had admitted being in her room to get pictures and sentimental things from their relationship to uh, decorate the locker to ask her to prom. But I don't remember seeing the disc in the, in the locker. I don't. And if that was what happened, one, it was incredibly poorly done in that scene. And two, there was no aftermath of her reminiscing or explaining to Annabelle that's what happened or to somebody else that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because there are enough other times where they're doing kind of the postmortem on, I can't believe he did this, you know, that sort of discussion. Yeah. Because then they could have basically, okay, maybe it didn't play so well in the locker scene, but in these other ones, we've at least firmly established and reminded people that's how it got there. Because by the time she's got it later, I'm like, wait, she lost it. How did she, how did she get that back? Well, I'm still working on why the high school dropout was at the college tour with the high school kids. I took it as the guidance counselor having reached out, knowing that she was working on the GED, that she dropped out because she kind of had to, not because she wanted to. And I thought that that aspect of her story was really well done. Yes. Yeah. Again, there were some really good moments in this, some really good aspects of the writing. The show had potential. 
It was enjoyable. I would just love to have seen what this group of, of writers and actors could have done, frankly, with a more mature comic book character. Got it. And yeah. I mean more mature in terms of- Property. Property, not having six issues at the time, but having, you know, maybe not six decades worth of stuff, but- Well, part of my issue throughout this whole 13 episodes was, didn't D see like lights in the sky 20 years ago? Which was when the 29 arrived, including Naomi, who's 16. Yeah, that part they kind of botched. I, I mean, I could just never cope with it. Because that happened, they clearly date that as 2004, I think it was. Maybe 2005. I think 2004. But... And that's why I started wondering, does that mean this was supposed to be before Crisis in the Arrowverse? In the Arrowverse, I'm not sure. I know in the comics, Crisis took place at all times. And again, when you go, well, even in the Arrowverse, when you go back to kind of the dawn of time and that pocket thing mm. and mm -hmm. rewrite reality, you're rewriting all of reality. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Which makes things confusing. Yes, it does. I vote we do not rewrite reality. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't mind rewriting it. Everybody else might not like what I do, but yeah, <laughs> that's on them. I don't know that we're ever going to see this group of characters again. On the one hand, it'd be nice if they got a little better closure than they wound up with. But on the other hand, they came close to it. And I don't know that it makes sense for them to show up really in any of the other surviving Arrowverse shows, which really comes down to, I think at this point, Flash and Superman and Lois. Stargirl. Stargirl, you're right. And that only popped into mind because it's more teenagers. But you know, it's funny because when I'm hearing all the stuff of what's CW renewing and not, I'm not hearing about Stargirl at all. Uh, Stargirl is the only one on the fall schedule. The rest of Arrowverse is mid-season. Oh, I hadn't realized, uh, I hadn't seen the fall schedule. I'm pretty I sure that's Flash what I saw. Flash is mid-season. I wasn't sure about Superman and Lois other than those two did get renewed. I'm 90% sure that's what I saw. Yeah. At some point, I expect Stargirl and Flash to maybe not cross over, but connect in some way, because we've got the Jay Garrick Flash. Ah. But there's nothing here to really tie... I mean, they could do it, it. They could decide this was the Superman from Superman and Lois. He was bouncing between realities in the fight, and that's why he was there. Because this whole series goes with the premise that Superman is a comic book character, yet he literally flies through and has a fight in town for a little bit. And it was a stunt because Superman's not real, of course, except aliens are real. And I just, yeah. that whole thing, totally different than the comics, which of course firmly take place in the DC universe, because, well, Naomi inexplicably joins the Justice League. See, the other option, since Naomi just, you know, flew off away from the parents she's mad at at the end, is she has a temper tantrum, she goes to Zimbada, and she convinces him that the two of them should move to Stargirl's hometown so she can go to school there. Now, I don't know. Or she just goes to another reality and that happens to be... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they need to do that. I don't think they left it... I, I, I don't think they earned that, given there was no connection to the Arrowverse. No, but I do think that uh, D could be an interesting, give him a limited series or a season. This is the second time, though, they've teased a Thanagarian, and maybe we'll do something with them. The first one being at the end of Krypton, where we wound up with, I forget what her name was, but she had bounced to another place on a Zeta beam, looked up, and there were all these hawk people flying over. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Because she'd apparently gone to Ran, I guess it was, for the Ran-Thanagar War, maybe. Yeah. 
So it's it's cool having all these DC and Marvel shows out there and such. Some are better than others. This was good, very enjoyable, but again, a little surprised it got made to begin with. Not horribly surprised it only lasted the season, particularly given kind of the slate cleaning that's going on at, at the CW right now. Yeah. Had this been two, three years ago, pandemic aside or whatever, it may have lasted a good couple of seasons. I agree with that. And I think deservedly so. Yeah. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.